College baseball is returning to Globe Life Field, home of the World Series champion Texas Rangers. Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas, is kicking off the college baseball season by hosting some of the top teams in the country over three consecutive weekends. The action starts with the Shriners Children's College Showdown, presented by Kubota from February 16th through the 18th, and it continues with the Kubota College Baseball Series, February 23rd to the 25th and March 1st through the 3rd. Visit globelifefield.com slash college baseball for more information. Tickets for all three weekends are on sale now. College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the D1 Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Today's episode brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth levels all the way to the pros. Swing decisions. Uh, I, it's so funny, on Twitter last night, Blake Burke for Tennessee, if he makes better swing decisions this year, he will hit 40 home runs. Not 40, but... He will hit a million home runs. It's a lot, um, but he needs to swing at better pitches. He needs to make, make better sw- swing decisions. Um, we are also sponsored today by Pitch Logic. It's the system used by players, coaches, scouts, and instructors at all levels of play, from the youth leagues all the way to the big leagues. It's easy to use and affordable technology. It makes the platform accessible to every player at every level. All the metrics and features used at the highest level. See PitchLogic.com for more information. So we are. Uh, Grateful for, for those sponsors right there, and, and they have been with us with the podcast all fall. So um, this episode is is going to be with a different partnership for for D1 Baseball, and that's with 643 Charts. Um, obviously, you see the great Kendall J. Rogers there. You see the great Aaron Zebediah Fit. And this is Rick Alf, who is the CTO. Rick, you're my first CTO I've ever met. I'm saying that's really? Chief Technology Officer. Um, I want to I want to reference something, boys, as we start. So Rick and, and Derek Weldon, our good friend, Rick is a co-founder of 643 Charts. Kendall and Fitzy, you guys are co-founders of D1Baseball.com. Do you all know what Coach Rooney is the co-founder of? Rooney and Rooney Enterprises? The carrots, the fighting carrots. <laughs> no, Fitzy, I'm not, even, I'm not even the co-founder of my beloved carrots. I'm like a private equity investor. I came into the carrots late. That's my fantasy football team, Rick. I am the only thing I've ever founded in my life is the Fabulous Rune Dogs, which is a fake moniker for my weekly picks during the the D1 baseball season. So I have founded Crapola, Fitzy. Is there like a workshop I can take or something? Uh, you know, I do. We, we should probably give credit to the actual co-founders of D1 Baseball, the Jeremy and Cynthia Mills. We, Kendall and I co-founded this version of D1 Baseball. Okay. I, I that's fair to say. But of course, the site itself did exist before, before we became involved, so. Hat tip to the Millses. Oh, well, hey, I didn't see that coming, but well played. That is awesome. Very good. What a nice guy. Yeah, that's great. That's that's great clarification right there. And anytime Jay Mills, Jeremy, the great Jeremy Mills can be mentioned, he is one of the great humans in our sport. So, all right, boys. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about on December. So if you're listening or you're watching, your first piece of homework from this podcast is on December 6th, we released on our D1Baseball.com website, uh, a collaboration with 643 Sports on something called DSR, which is Diamond Sports Ranking. So Diamond would be softball or baseball, clearly. And um, your first homework, when you get done listening here, or if you want to pause now, read that post on the D1 site. I will tell you, at the bottom of the post, there's a link to a blog on the 643 Charts website. That is also your homework um, I would, you know, I would have some caffeine ready. That's going to get very mathy on you. But if you care about college baseball and you care about the NCAA tournament, you can't avoid the math. You know, like if you're the person's yelling at me right now saying I was told there'd be no math, then I'm telling you there's no college sports, right? Like w- math is, is just mandatory. And so I can't recommend this stuff enough because RPI and, and all these rankings are just such a necessary evil in this thing. So before we do that, Rick, do me a favor. Give us a thirty-second commercial. If, if I'm a listener and I don't even, I'm not even really familiar with six four three sport or six four three charts. I should say. What tell us? What what is your company? 
Yeah, absolutely. So 643 is a data visualization and reporting platform for baseball and softball data. Um, we do D1, D2, D3, baseball and softball, as well as NAI. Um, we take in a multitude of data sources and we make sense of them for you all in one place. So if you want to spend 10 minutes and have your reports ready to go for the weekend, great. If you want to spend 20 hours in our interface for a week and, and prepare and deep dive and get into all the the weeds with all the data sources that you have great like we have something for everybody uh, but we want to we want to free up your time as a staff to focus on coaching and we want to help you with the data analytics side of things awesome and kendall and, and fitzy i'd love for you guys to comment on this like i just think one of the best parts obviously i love getting to deep dive on the 643 chart site if, if i've got a game coming up or i want to do like hey i just took a shot at blake burke it would be nice of me to go on to you know look him up on 643 charts and dive into that right but i think on our site our player pages have become so next level like they are mandatory viewing in the industry, and that is really because of our partnership with 643. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. Oh. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I pulled a Kendall here in the first five minutes. It's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, embarrassing. We always say everybody's good for one of those, right? <laughs> right. No doubt. No, but the 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 advanced uh, the advanced statistics that we've added, you know, thanks to the work that you guys do. Um, for sure. I mean, I, I, I've come to lean on it. I've learned about things like FIP and XFIP and Sierra. Um, you know, <laughs> and, uh, these, these are, these are things that were not really in, in my, uh, in, in my, my tool set until we started working with you guys, but to have those on our site, I mean, it, hey, it makes me better coach Rooney. I know it makes you better. our power rankings better. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that, uh, it, there's more on the way too. I mean, the win probability stuff that we did last year on the scoreboard was really cool. And and we're just scratching the surface. I mean, there's there's just a lot more neat stuff on the way for our for our readers, thanks to the good people at six four three. Absolutely, yeah, a lot of things in the hopper for sure. Excited for this season. Yep. Go ahead, Kendall. I cut you off there. Well, you know, Fit pretty much said what I was going to say, but I, I think the biggest thing for, for us is, uh, you know, Rick and these guys have been an awesome partner, just because uh, they're always very forward thinking. Um, I think I, I kind of feel like when you look at D one baseball that we're we're always forward thinking. We're looking for new, new and better and great things for college baseball fans and college baseball coaches. And you know, if you're a coach out there who you know you guys don't use six four three charts, uh, you need to be using them because these guys have some really really awesome things coming down the stretch. We we're just talking off the call about some custom rostering with, with transfer portal items and things like that. So a lot of awesome things coming down the pike. But uh, I'm, I'm most excited about this uh, Diamond Sports ranking. So let's let's dive into that. Yeah, for sure. And so let me properly introduce Rick. You know, so I teased him about his CTO um, uh, title, which is very impressive. But, you know, Rick's got multiple degrees in aerospace and enge engineering. If I even walked by an wow. aerospace engineering class, I would have broken out in hives. So obviously, Rick is a very smart person. And I, and I want to tee us up this way. You know, we're going to we're going to cover four things in this in this um, podcast. One is we're going to talk about, hey, why, why do we need an alternative to RPI? Um, that's, that's the I think, the foundation of this conversation. Number two is what's different about DSR? Again, Diamond Sports Rankings. What, what, what makes DSR better than RPI, say, you know, says us? Um, I want to talk through some examples. I think there's some really good examples from last year's field for the baseball tournament where there are going to be times where DSR confirms things that I didn't like about RPI. Hey, in fairness, there are things where DSR agrees with RPI and felt like that was an appropriate rank. And I think both sides of that coin are really important in this conversation. And um, finally, you know, we wrote down, hey, here are some tough questions. Like if, if college baseball is going to make the leap to switch from RPI to DSR, here are some tough questions that that I think we need to ask you know, Rick and his team, hey, why, you know, what are, are these potential flaws in DSR? Or how would you address those types of things? Um, and, and again, I'll never forget last year at the end of the tournament, we all, I think everyone in college baseball agree with this. We need to get a lot of really smart people in a room and examine RPI. Well, Coach Rooney does not belong in that room. No offense. My, my accounting degree is wonderful, but that's, that's not, not for this exercise. Rick and his team and Derek at 643, those are the smart people that are, you know, math savants that we need in the room. So 
Rick, I'm going to have you go last. So I'm going to go um, Fitzy, then Kendall, and then I'll I'll go at the end. So let's Fitzy. Let me let me start with you. You get the. I, I I'm just going to say this. Like I'll, I'll give you the first nugget. Why I think we should get rid of RPI or find an alternative is because it's very dangerous. Last year, this I'm going to be a little pejorative here. Last year, I feel like the selection committee panicked and they just caved into RPI. That is so dangerous, so, so dangerous. And I would say even DSR and Rick are not saying that we want a committee that's just going to give in and pick the number, right? But that's what happened, in my opinion. That's what happened last year with the selection committee is they got overwhelmed and they just said, well, let's just default to RPI. And it was it, it was a little gross, to be honest. And again, I get it. For the committee, it's an impossible job. Like, I'm not criticizing them individually, but the body of work, I, I really struggled with it. So, so Fitzy, take it from there. What do you see as some of the challenges with RPI? And that's been an issue for a long time, Runes. I mean, it's not every year. Sometimes the committee places emphasis on different things. So it is a moving target. But too often, it feels like they just fall back on the RPI. And it's, it's frankly, um, a little lazy when they do it that way. Because the RPI, as, as everyone knows, even the committee chairman last year, John Cohen, repeatedly talked about, how flawed the RPI is, even in the call after, um, you know, they introduced the the field. He's still talking about how flawed the RPI is, and yet they clearly used it as a crutch, you know. And and so yes, it is frustrating. And, and when we talk about the ways that the RPI is flawed, I mean, it, it, first of all, you have to understand the formula. It's it's twenty five percent of the formula is your own winning percentage, fifty percent of the formula is your opponent's winning percentage, and then. Another 25% is your opponent's opponent's winning percentage. So 75% of it is just basically strength of schedule um, or, you know, strength of your opponent's schedule, as it were. And and the, the, the biggest problem, I think, is that you can play a game against somebody who's having a terrible year or play three games, a weekend series, heaven forbid, and it can just torpedo you, even if you sweep that series. And that's a huge problem, and it incentivizes teams, as we've seen in recent years, to cancel um, – games against teams like in, if we get to may and you've got some some game game lined up against a team that's having just a bad year and they're you know maybe they're 12 and 30 and it's like man if i play this game even if i win it i'm going to take a 15 spot rpi plunge it's like you've got no incentive to play that game you have an incentive to cancel it you know and and we've seen that a lot and we don't want to incentivize anyone to cancel games um and that's one of the ways that um our, this new system dsr is going to be better, but we'll, we'll get to that. So that I, I, for me, I think that's the number one biggest problem with the RPI. And then two is also just, we talk about the built-in geographic advantages. If you're a team in the South where you've got a lot of good opponents that you can play midweek games in particular, um, you have a huge advantage over teams, especially in the West that are more geographically isolated or, you know, even teams like Arkansas over the years have had issues with being isolated geographically relative to a lot of other teams and some of their midweek games. Um, it's been a problem, you know, or, or some of the, like Kansas state, that's something the PTUs talked about last year. Uh, geographic isolation isn't just limited to the West, but like it makes it harder to build a, a schedule that is uh, functional from an RPI standpoint. And um, there's just actually a number of reasons why the, the formula just works better for teams in the Southeast than it does for everyone else. And that's just, a, it's just been borne out over decades now. Yep. Hey, Ken, I'll take it from here. And, and again, I, for all of us, like, I think it's okay to be redundant with some of these reasons because that indicates emphasis, right? So go ahead, KR, what are you, uh, you're muted, but what are some of your, you see as the challenges with the RPI? Yeah. I mean, I, I think Fib is going on the right path with the, uh, with just kind of who you're playing. I still think back to, I was trying to find the year. That's why I was on mute. I was trying to find the year. TCU, if you remember, I think it was back in the early 2000s, uh, had a situation where they played like Air Force in a two-game, like a two-game weekend series, like a shortened series of the weekend. I think it might have been like during finals or something. And like one day they dropped, or it was like, if you looked at a live RPI, they the first game they, they won, they played it, but they won. This is when Air Force was a lot worse of a team. They won the game, dropped like eight spots in the RPI, and then if you remember, guys, because it ended up being a huge deal, I think they I think they ended up dropping like 20 spots total in one weekend. But the next game at the doubleheader, they lost Air Force, and they actually dropped like 22 spots in one day from two games. And I just feel like if any any ranking system like that where if you just play a game and you drop eight spots, that's an issue. And two, 
and it you know there there might be flaws in every system to some degree, but like to me, if you lose a single game and let's say you drop fourteen spots, that I mean that that seems a little silly to me. So I, I just think any system to where you can drop twenty two spots in two games in one day needs to be looked at a little closer. I think last year, um, and, and I get the challenges the committee has, and I think the committee needs to look whether it's they're using DSR or RPI. I think the committee needs to look deeper than just rankings. And I think when you look at last year, uh, UC Irvine is a prime example. This is a team mm-hmm. that, you know, had double-digit uh, wins or close to it uh, over top 50 teams until the last two weeks of the season. And, again, uh, I get that teams will move around in rankings, but there needs to be a way that they get credit for winning games against teams like that uh, and not just have a week and a half at the end of the season – be like, well, they had no wins versus top 50 teams. They, you know, essentially to a to a committee that doesn't follow games every day. They're not like the college football playoff where these guys and and, and women are, are watching games every weekend. Like they're they're sh- literally showing up on selection weekend, and a lot of these people are finding out about these teams for the first time. So in a system like that, we we need to have a better setup than that, and, and we need yeah. to dig a little deeper than that. I'm with you, and I, and, I, and I will say this too: like DSR accounts for that a lot more than RPI does in, in like yep. UCI situation. Yeah. And, and I think I like to your point, Kendall, RPI is too jagged. It's like your resume is good and then it's not good. And I like that DR DSR because it's points, you know, you're gradually accumulating points or you're falling behind your peers in the area of points. So it, there's, there's more of a big picture feel that a committee member could get as opposed to RPI. It's like, you know, it, it just, the number is just so, um, all consuming it's it's i don't know I, I, that's a challenge for me but go ahead rick go, go you, you guys did the deep dive what did you see as some of the core deficiencies in rpi well i, th- I think fit and kendall hit on you know the big one which is is scheduling implications um strength of schedule being um in my opinion overweighted uh, when 75 percent of your rank is effectively outside of your control that leads to a lot of unintended consequences I think your Irvine example is a really good one from last year where I know we're going to go into specific examples, but you know, when the, when the teams that you played and and beat or performed well against early in the season are performing poorly towards the end of the season, that is now dragging down your strength of schedule and your opponent's opponent's winning percentage. And now things that you have no control over are bringing you down. And now all of a sudden, if you had top 50 wins, they're now outside of the top 50. And again, you're going to have that, that committee on selection day, looking at a snapshot of a team's body of work that is purely a snapshot. You know, you're, you're not looking at where they were a week ago or two weeks ago. And I think DSR brings an opportunity for not only to be grounded in, in data and actually tuned for the sports of, of baseball and softball, but actually having the transparency of being able to go back and, and look at a time series of what are, what are the DSR points for each team and where were they? Where did they take a hit? Why are they there? Okay, I see how they got down there, and then they rebounded later in the season. But to be able to look at that that body of work visually, um, I think is a huge advantage of what DSR is going to bring over RPI, where, like you alluded to it, that the jaggedness of every time, not even you play, but every time any team plays in the field of over 300 teams in the country, everybody's RPI changes. And I think that leads to a lot of unintended consequences that way, where ultimately RPI is the most accurate at the end of the season, right? Cause it's always converging to the final rankings. But if you look at it at March 15th or April 15th, it just doesn't pass the eye test. Yeah. That's well said. I, I think, let me recap section one with this. Fitzy nailed it, right? We have a system that incentivizes coaches to cancel games in May. That's like ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? That's a huge problem. Number two, we didn't talk about this yet. RPI was created for basketball and they bailed on the system five years ago. Like basketball who created the system hasn't used this system since 2023. It's like, you know, I feel like it was like a hit and run accident, right? Like basketball crashed their car into us. They ran from the scene of the crime and we're left with the car. Terrible analogy, but you know what I'm saying there. And then I think the other part is in no matter, Kendall, you alluded to this, no matter what system we use, the committee will get a ranking. Like DSR has a ranking, right? Like, um, whatever it was, you know, I think Clemson was the number one ranked team by DSR on selection day last year. And so 
the the art the committee could fall prey to that in DSR too. The difference is DSR has more tools, easier tools to use to give yeah. the committee an examination. Yeah, I mean here. So here's a prime example, and, and we'll and we'll dive. Don't steal one of our examples yet, Kendall. Don't don't okay. you don't you derail us. Are you going to do a team? No, I wasn't going to do a team. Okay, I was ahead. just going to say like a prime example of what you're saying. Like this this formula allows you to go a little deeper is in the like in the sense of margin of victory so yeah. let's let's just say and i don't and i don't I, I haven't i haven't dove into clemson but like for instance maybe clemson's number one and maybe clemson beat you know 12 12 teams or 12 games in their schedule they won by 10 runs and so they got extra points or margin of victory well a committee can actually look at dsr and go well you know what it, this amount of points are being generated based off of of run ruling you know, UNC Asheville, Charleston Southern, and schools like that. So they can actually kind of pluck away something like that and go, okay, now what do they look like? We take away these these run rule wins. And so I, I do like the, the fact that the formula allows you to do that. You, you know, game location, margin of victory, win expectancy, mm-hmm. win quality. Like you mm-hmm. can kind of pick and choose, whereas the RPI, like I, I hate to be like mean, but like these people don't know enough about it to actually pluck away at it. Well, and, and if you Go look ahead, at Fitzy. just talking about the Clemson case, because I don't think that was one of the examples that we were planning to talk about, because I think I thought it was interesting because mm-hmm. if you look at the kind of the graph over the course of the season, you know, Wake Forest really is like the number one team for the last month. And then, like, I think as we get into conference tournament week, Clemson passes them when they, they go. Clemson goes four and in the ACC tournament, wins the ACC tournament and they pass them. Now, you know, I remember sitting in the press box at Durham Bulls Athletic Park, the ACC tournament. And one of the Clemson writers was asking me like, if they, you know, if they win this thing, could, could they be the number one seed? Could they be ahead of Wake? And I was like, no, like they, they, there's no, they, they, there's no way that their body work isn't as good. Like even if they win this thing, that won't happen. Um, however, you know, you can see that uh, this, you know, this formula does, it places emphasis on those games. Those games do still count in the conference terms and they should still count. And mm-hmm. then it's up to the committee to decide like whether ultimately you know, that metric outweighs the rest of the body of work. And, and you know, it's, it's a tool that can be used as part of the process. But again, we don't want the committee to, to lean on too much on this tool either. You know, we, we want it to be a tool, not the tool. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And perfect segues by Kendall and Fitzy. Go ahead, Rick. Give us give us high, some high level differences between DSR and RPI. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think a great one is to, to address the margin of victory that Kendall brought up. Um, we do have a margin of victory adjustment in there that you are bonused for for winning by a certain amount of runs. Uh, now, now that's not like a linear relationship. I'm not going to get into the math of it, but it is like a decay function. So you are less incentivized to continue to run up the score the higher you get, but ultimately it's capped at 10 and there's, you're going to get a little bit more points for winning by five than you are for three or by one. Now, if you're beating a team that you should beat, if you come in a huge favorite, you don't stand to gain a lot of points anyway, because you're favored to win that game. So when you're getting a scale for winning by a lot of runs, you're scaling a minimal amount of points already. And so you're not going to, by going and blowing out teams that you should beat anyway, you're not really going to climb the rankings. You're actually more incentivized to go play a tougher opponent and win probably by one or two runs than you would stand to gain, you know, a, a similar amount of points by run ruling a team that you should just decimate anyway. Um, so I, I think that's an important piece of it. Um, another thing that we have is a Pythagorean record, which simply that sounds really complicated, but essentially all it is is just what is your win percentage? If, if we had to estimate it just based on how many runs you score and how many runs you allow, that's really all it is. And so we take that win percentage. We do have strength of schedule still. That is an important component in DSR. Um, it, it's only 30%. It's not 75 or, you know, 50 percent and then the other 25 opponents, opponents. So we have win percentage, strength of schedule, margin of victory, and then the Pythag, Pythagorean win record. And then just what is the quality of the opponents that you're playing? And so we do a lot to contextualize um, the teams that you are playing to make sure that the number of points that you're gaining or losing is representative of actually like how much that game you know was favored one way or another. I love it. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Hey, let's let's jump into some examples here, guys. That's so again, like Rick did a really nice job there of like giving us the math without, you know, um, giving us the cough syrup with coding there. So that was that was well played by you, Rick. 
Um, but I think I think. Oh, go ahead, Fitzy. Go ahead. Just real quick, though. I mean, Rick, maybe you could just explain what. Just going back for just a second. Sure. The, the the for people who haven't heard before, or haven't seen the, the original blog. Just the the the, and you should read the original blog, by the way. But like homework. Yes, homework. But like the 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 basic functionality of the system. You know the 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 ELO thing. Like that. Sure. Can you just explain that that piece, please. Sure. Yeah. So what we take, you know, I mentioned the components there, but effectively we're back. We're DSR is based on a, a sort of ELO ranking. So when you come into the season, everybody has a set number of points, right? Um, we adjust them a little bit at the beginning of the season uh, to reflect, you know, some teams are a little bit higher caliber than another, but they're really just concentrated around the mean. So that it's not going to set you up in a position that you can't get out of by any means. Um, and it's a zero sum game. So what that means is when you go into a game, there is a certain amount of points that are up for grabs in that game. If you win, then you take those points from the team that you're playing. If you lose, then the team that you lost to is going to take those points directly from you. And so it, it, again, it depends what, how many points are up for grabs based on, you know, who's the favorite and who's the underdog and ultimately who ends up winning. You know, if Clemson goes and beats the UNC Asheville, they're not going to take very many points from them because they were favored to win that game anyway. But if UNC Asheville goes in and actually upsets them, they're going to take a, a lot larger amount of points from Clemson and that's going to be awarded to them. So that's the other component is the points, which I see as more of a, a recency estimation of where they are, right? Because if you have a bad weekend and you lose a bunch of points, well, you might lose in points, but your record and your strength of schedule and your Pythag still are going to elevate you to the point that you're not going to get pounded just because you lost a weekend series. If that was a fluke and you just had one bad weekend, you're not going to fall 22 spots in the rankings because of that late in the season. You might fall a couple, but you're not going to get overly punished just because of that. Mm, love it. Hey, let's do some examples, boys. Then I'll go around the horn. Let me take the first one. So like an, an intro, and, and again, I get that some of these examples are outliers, but I, I think this is the best way to have the conversation. And and again, like let's be fair. Like some of some of these examples will affirm that RPI agrees with DSR. Some not so much. I'm going to pick one that not so much. So Oral Roberts, very interesting case last year. Their RPI on selection day was 76. Had they not won the summit tournament, they're they're not even the, the committee would have never even uttered the phrase Oral Roberts. 76, you're not even, you know, the, the chocolate chip cookies are getting into the room before you're getting into the room if you're Oral Roberts. Um, or whatever snacks they had. I heard the snacks are fantastic. Um, as they should be. Um Oral Roberts had a 76 RPI. The DSR ranking was 29 on selection day. And again, like the tournament bore that out. None of us that watched, remember, Oral Roberts had beaten Oklahoma State three times already when they went to Stillwater for that regional. And anyone that watched Oral Roberts in the postseason, at no point did they look overmatched. I mean, they beat TCU in Omaha. They lost a one-run game in the ninth to Florida, right? Like they looked every bit the part so there's an example where dsr sniffed out hey this is a really good team like rpi is trickiness here um fitzy you go next what's an example that that stands out to you um well you know the, the um I, I think first of all the, the south carolina that's what i'm going to go with because that's mm. a team um that was really stuffed up there high in in the rpi and then and hosted a regional even though they really kind of melted down um, down the stretch, right? And we, we thought that they had kind of played their way out of hosting a regional. I mean, sure, if, if you put the field together on, on April 1st, they look like they might be the number one national seed. They look great. But then that they didn't sustain that. And at the end yeah, of the year... Yeah, one, six, and one in their last eight weekends, Fitzy. Yeah. They, went, they won one of their last eight weekends, South Carolina. And and the the you know the DSR kind of reflects that you can see like if you look at the graph of their season, um, it goes up 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 and then like kind of peaks in late April and then it just kind of plunges down you know and whereas the RPI they're just kind of propped up there because because you know especially when you're an SEC team I mean you're, you're playing all these teams that also have good non-conference winning percentages and so it just compounds because it's, it's all strength of schedule it just compounds and compounds and compounds so even if you struggle you know, you're still going to be kind of like artificially propped up. And, and um, in South Carolina's case, I mean, they deserve to fall, you know, the, the way they played down the stretch. And um, I can't remember where their 
ranked. So they in- were eight on RPI was eight on selection day. Okay. Their DSR was 23. And I'm with you, Fitzy. Like 23 feels yeah. way more appropriate. Right. They, they felt like a two seed, you know, and that's that's what DSR would have them ranked as is, is, a, is a solid two seed. That's what they felt like to me and not not a host. So that, that's a good example. Yeah, love it. KR, what's one that jumps out at you? Oh, you're muted. Pull the Kendall. We're rusty. We're a little sorry, rusty here. Sorry, I pulled a fit. Um, <laughs> well played. I think just looking at, you know, like the final numbers, um, I think Kentucky's one that stands out to me. Ooh, me too. You know, it, it, so two twofold here. So one, let, let's give credit to Nick Mingione for, for I, I, okay, let's just say it like gaming the RPI. Like he, he went out thanks to some really good advice from people and put together the perfect non-conference schedule to essentially game the RPI. He went out and played a bunch of teams, a bunch of mid-majors that are going to have really high winning percentages. He reaped the benefits of that. Kentucky was high in the RPI for much of the season. But when you look at Kentucky overall, this is a team that lost six out of its last seven SEC series, and they still finished the season with a top five RPI. Number Granted, two, they did get Kendall, to on selection regional. day, number two. They were the number two RPI yeah. on selection day. Granted, Crazy. they got to a super regional. So, like, I mean, they they clearly – they didn't deserve to be a top five. And, I mean, they clearly were a, a really solid team. But I think when you look at the end-of-the-year DSR rankings sitting at 24, that to me that's a lot more – that's a lot more accurate to what this team actually was because they did go 16 and 14 in the SEC. And you can actually look at 16, 16 and 14 in the SEC and go – yeah, that, that's a 20 to 25 type of team. But what they aren't and what they were never last year was a top five team. Yeah, that's yeah. DSR had them at number 14, I think, on 14 or 16 on selection day. And I'm with you, Kenner. Like that, that's even doable. Yeah, like that's a, your host, right? You're good, right? Like that, that's what they felt like. They felt like a host, not the number two seed. And, and the, yeah, and, and you know, and the committee didn't give them a number two national seed or whatever. They were, uh, yeah, the committee they did were, a nice job there. Yeah, they were outside the top eight. You know, they were a host, but like, you know, the, yeah. the, that's an example where the committee clearly recognized that hey, the RPI has this team overrated, and DSR has them actually appropriately rated. Yep. I'll be very Rick, curious, oh, guys, to kind of go back and see. And Rick, this maybe this is some homework for you if it doesn't take a lot of time. But you remember the year that Dallas Baptist, like, we're we're like waiting on them to like lose. And like drop out of the number one spot. Remember, they were like number one for what was it, guys, like seven or eight weeks. And it was kind of one of those things like they had no business being number one, but they were number one. I'd be very curious to see how like DSR would stack up Dallas Baptist resume that year because it's really it's, interesting. It's always yeah. the Valley, Coach Rooney. It's always yeah. the Valley. I well, mean, remember, I, I look this. Year. I looked this one up. The Valley is always the Valley and the SEC have been they've been RPI proof. And like 2015 was the year that Bradley had that really nice team. They had 32 mm-hmm. wins, but remember they did go 10 and 11 in the Valley, and they were the they were like number 30 in RPI. And so you're kind of like, oh my gosh, like we all love the Valley, but are you really telling me an under 500 Valley team is 30 in the RPI? That feels very uncomfortable. Rick, Rick, what's an example that jumps out for you? Well, I mean, I, I think we passed over a, a few. You know, we've talked about how, you know, DSR is highlighting the, you know, kind of the differences of the outliers where, you know, teams like Oral Roberts who and um, and Irvine who have, you know, poorer strength of schedules. And as the season goes on and on and on, again, that compounds and compounds. And ultimately, it just keeps dragging you down and you're fighting this losing battle of strength and ske- strength of schedule. Um, but some of those like bubble teams like Arizona ASU and, and USC, um, I mean, DSR has them slightly ranked differently. Uh, but in terms of like the rankings, the order of them is still the same. Um, and so I, th- I think it's good to show that, you know, this isn't a complete departure from Correct. RPI, right? But we are adding things to it that further contextualize the body of work of the team and not just what seems to always be over-reliant on strength of schedule. I mean, you look like Oral Roberts on selection day, I think their strength of schedule was 283. I mean, it's horrific, right? But that's kind of, you know, what they're um, exposed to when, when you're, you know, the regionality and who you've got to play in the Summit League and that type of thing. So, um, but as long as you're continually winning games against the teams that you can play, even if you're only gaining a couple of points, as long as you continue to win, you will eventually 
get your way up there, especially when you're beating teams like Oklahoma State. You know, when you're put up to the challenge, you are performing. Um, Oral Roberts is a big one that stands out to me, and I don't, I don't mean to go back on the same one you already said, but uh, I, I think it's important to recognize that those teams that just can't seem to get out of that valley that they get stuck in in RPI that they can in this new ranking system. Yeah, I would say Irvine sticks out for me because I almost felt like they didn't even get to the bubble conversation. You know, the Big West was confusing last year with UCSD winning it. But Irvine, so just to be clear, Irvine on selection day, 50 RPI, which means you're toast, right? As soon as those upstarts start happening, you're done. Um, But DSR, they were 26. And remember, Irvine's resume was they were um, 8-1 and versus the Pac-12. Uh, they went 19 and six on the road. I believe Irvine had, if it's not number one, it's in the top five, the number one road winning percentage in the country last year. I mean, winning 19 games on the road, really, really difficult. They were top 30 in ERA and scoring. I mean, this was a really good team. Um, and, and for whatever reason, RPI just did not like Irvine at all. You know, Hey, I, I was mad. I was really, I really struggled with Oklahoma getting picked over Kansas when or Kansas State, I'm sorry, Kansas State finished two games ahead of them in the Big 12 standings. Kansas State swept Oklahoma. If I'm being honest with myself, DSR kind of proved Oklahoma's case a little bit. You know, like it was, um, hey, Arizona versus USC. That one really bugged me, right? Arizona finished five games ahead of, uh, or, or USC finished five games ahead of Arizona. USC was 17 and 13. Arizona was 12 and 18 in the Pac 12. Arizona got swept four times. And so I was like, how could you do that, committee? Hey, DSR kind of showed me that Arizona's resume was better than I thought it was. So again, I think it's not just whether it's agree or disagree. I just feel like the tools in DSR are so much better. DSR will lay out for you. Hey, Arizona, here are their five best wins by points. Here are their five worst losses. Here's their chart of their season, like as they're accumulating points or losing ground. And you can, I don't know, it just feels like you can paint a way better and more accurate picture when you're trying to evaluate teams. Yeah, the other thing that's interesting to me is, you know, I was just looking at like Texas and Texas A&M. Their situations in DSR versus RPI are basically flipped on selection day. Uh versus the RPI. And what's also interesting to me is, is the teams that, you know, pretty much had the same situation. You know, NC State was a, was a club that was left out of the postseason, very controversial. I think we all thought they should have been in. And, um, you know, they finished 24 in both RPI and DSR on selection day. Well, you're, well, two, the NC State snub was two years ago. Oh, that was two. Yeah. Uh, well, last year, no, <laughs> NC State, I'm glad you brought them up, Kennel, because I, I made Maybe a- I was looking at last year's numbers. Well, I made a fuss about NC State last year because here's what bugged me. NC State was easily in because they had a mid-20s RPI. Their record was 35-20. and 20. And I was looking at the resume. I think they were under 500 barely in the ACC. And I'm like, yeah. how does RPI think NC State is easy in? And UC Santa Barbara, who has the exact identical record, 35-20, and 20, is way out. Like, their upper 50s RPI. And that was my point is I'm not trying to take a shot at NC State last year. I like their team. I have, we have a system telling me that UC Santa Barbara, who swept Oregon on the road, is, you know, Oregon, who hosts the Super Regional, that team is 30-plus spots worse than NC State. And, you know, if I'm being honest with myself, DSR helped me understand that better. NC yeah. State went 10-2 and two in midweek games. They play good midweek games. Santa Barbara went 18-17 and 17 over their last 35 games. So, so, again, RPI really had me upset and confused. DSR helped me see the picture better. And, you know, I had to, I had to eat crow on that one. Like, you know, it was RPI was more right than I was on that one. So, well, and, and also, ahead, I mean, you know, the, the, looking at those big West teams, cause it, I always think the big West is such an interesting test case because we always feel like, you know, those, especially out West teams out West tend to get screwed on selection day, you know? Yeah. And, and in this case, like if you look at Santa Barbara, I mean, a, you know, they got swept in the last weekend in Hawaii. They really played their way out that last weekend. They were on yeah. right there in the, in, the, in the mix, and they just played their way out. And, you know, that happens. Um, but they, the, the teams that they played at the back end, that's where RPI, I think, over overweights it. I mean, they had 12 games against teams outside the top 200 um, that kind of dragged them down. Irvine's the same. I mean, they, they, they had 10 games against teams outside the top 
200 in the RPI, nine and one record against them. They didn't have any games against the top 25. And so if you're looking at, you know, why, you know, they were kind of held back, that's, that's the biggest reason is they didn't have enough high end games. They had too many low end games. And, um, and the, the, the DSR kind of compensates for that because it, it gives, you know, it gives them credit for winning those road games, which the RPI does also, but, uh, but also the Pythagorean record, I think it, it, that, that's maybe one reason that Irvine is juiced a little bit here is because, as you mentioned, they were top 25 in ERA and 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 scoring, right? Like they were a really mm-hmm. good team, I mean, dominant team against maybe a lesser schedule. And I think if you dominate your lesser schedule, this system maybe rewards you a little bit more. Yeah. Hey, Rick, let me ask you, let, let's wrap with this. Let's ask some tough questions. You know, like, okay. hey, let, let's say the NCA is so motivated and they're like, hey, I, like, let's do it. Um, one Kendall made a great point earlier about, hey, Nick Mangione deserves credit at Kentucky, right? He went out and he sought out a solution to RPI. You know, we would use the expression, he gamed the system, but he didn't do anything illegal. He he worked the system. Like, we gave him the rules and he found a way to make it work. So one of the things RPI would do is, as a coach, it kind of gives me some clarity on, now, I might not have the budget or geography to do something about it, and that's a different conversation, but like, what what is DSR telling a coach to do when it comes to scheduling? Yeah, so I mean, you know, under RPI, you made a great point. If I was in his position, I would probably do the exact same thing. Uh, but under under DSR, it really comes down to you know um, your measured risk reward. How risk averse are you, right? So if if you're going to schedule a bunch of teams that you know that you can beat, and and you're going to beat handedly. Well, great. Like you're going to gain points, but you're not going to gain very many points, right? So you're not going to fall in the rankings just by playing those teams. But if there's another team that's going to be playing a slightly better opponent or a more comparable opponent, they're going to stand to gain more than you and therefore gain more points and jump ahead of you. Now, they're also are putting a little bit of risk there that if they do lose that, they're going to fall, right? But again, if you lose to a team that you should handedly beat, you might not be losing 10 points in the case of a 50-50 like toss-up. You might be losing 25. So it's really a measure of, of risk, and, and it disincentivizes just canceling to cancel the game, right? Because it's not this over-punishment of, oh, my gosh, I'm scheduling this team. Like 75% of my rank is, is in strength of schedule and opponent's opponent's winning percentage. Like if I just step onto the field, I hurt myself. Like that is not the case with DSR. It's all about measured risk. Yeah. Hey, Kendall and Fitzy, let me ask you guys this tough question. I think this is almost more appropriate for you two than um, than for Rick, because especially given the nerd cast and how, you know, you guys really become for, for us lay people like we're thinking out loud about the field through that podcast as we get come down the stretch. One like RPI is flawed. We all agree with that. But it is simple, right? Like I kind of like. I could tell you what it is. You said it earlier, Fitzy. It's 25% this, 50% this, 25% this. That's Those are the ingredients, period. So Fitzy and Kendall, is this – I think the complexity of DSR is what makes it a better metric, but is it too complex? That's the tough question. I think it's, I think it's, a, it's a worthy question because – um, you know, it's not something that anyone at home is ever going to be able to calculate themselves, for instance, yeah. not that, not that you would, you know, need to, but like you, you can reverse engineer the RPI. Um, and, and we, we reverse engineer the RPI on our site. Like we don't have the exact, you know, NCAA formula, but like we, we, you know, we, we did it. I don't think you can with DSR because like there's, you know, it, there is more secret sauce there that I don't think, any, you know, someone like me, I'll never completely understand it, you know, but like it, it's more complicated and that's why it's yeah. better. And so it's almost like you have to take it on faith a little bit more. And Rick, I'm curious to, to, to hear your response to that. No, and, and that's a good, good perspective. Um, I, I would counter it a little bit in saying that um, as being the one who, who wrote the RPI reverse engineer for your site, um, it, it is, uh, so great. incredibly complicated, um, um, to write now it's easily explainable is, right. is I, is I think the, um, differentiator there that it is 25, <laughs> 50, 25, uh, we can actually give you a, a fairly explainable formula for your ultimate DSR rank. Um, we've adjusted those percentages a bit. If people really want it, it's, it's actually 12 and a half percent, your winning percentage. It's 30% your strength of schedule. It's seven and a half percent, your Pythagorean record. And then the other 50% is 
your DSR points versus an average team. So you can break it up like that. And, and if you just want to look at it at, at that level, I think you can compare it kind of apples to apples with RPI. Uh, obviously, there is a lot of things going around in the back end, like how do we ascertain what wind quality is and adjustments. But um, the, bit, the word I want to harp on for, for DSR is transparency. Like everything is grounded in data. And so for any game, you'll be able to go back and you can see how many points do they stand to gain by going in the, into this? Like that amount of points will never change. The, the value of a game in DSR is always the same at any point in the season. You can go back and look at it. It's always the same. Whereas RPI, again, it's this ever converging algorithm that that game back in February or March, if you look at it now, the, now that it's been contextualized, it means something totally different than it did at the time the game was played. So, anyway, that was a very long uh, rebuttal to you. It's great. Go ahead, Aaron. Well, I just wanted to ask if you could follow up, just follow up, if you could explain more about that that last 50%, your your points versus an average team. That was something that I I could use a little more explanation on. Sure. So, you know, ultimately your DSR points are going to put you on a scale, you know, 1,500. This is typical for, for ELO rankings. Um, but 1500 is, is just average. Like if you just started as an average team, you're 1500 points at the end of the season, the, those top five seeds are going to be around that 1750 to maybe 1800 or, or like that Tennessee team we had, you know, a couple of years ago, like they're going to be well above 1800. And then you're going to have teams that are in the 1350, 1400 that are kind of at the bottom of the, the well there. Um, when we're looking at the difference in DSR points, Ultimately, the rankings we want to present or are presenting in DSR is if a team is ranked above you, that always means that if you are in a head-to-head neutral site matchup, that team will always be favored over you in our model. That is not true with RPI. RPI, you could have a team above that if you look at it, you say, well, that team doesn't necessarily mean that would be favored if they played this team. What we are telling you in DSR is that they would be. And so that difference in DSR points, um, one way you could calculate it would be, say, I'm going to take this team and calculate the win percentage against this team. And then I'm going to do that first team against the three, and then the first team against the four, and so on and so forth. Then you average all those. That's really the same thing as saying, how would this team perform just against an average team? And take that win percentage. And that's another, that's just that fourth component we put in to your ultimate ranking with win percentage, strength of schedule, PIFAG, and that difference in DSR points. Okay. Got it. Yeah, Rick, uh, the the thing I was going to ask, and and this this question will come up from plenty of coaches and plenty Mm -hmm. of fans, is one thing the RPI has done over the last decade is it has helped Northern schools to some extent. Uh, You know, the Big Ten really struggled with RPI for the longest time. Um, You know, in in recent years, you had schools like Northeastern who have started to have pretty good RPIs who are going on the road, playing good teams or winning some of these games. So mm-hmm. I guess the question would be from your perspective, I kind of know it, but from your perspective, looking at DSR, how do you, how do you kind of answer the the game location and should Northern schools be remotely concerned with how DSR operates? Yeah. So there are adjustments for game location um, and, and all of that. They're not just arbitrary numbers um, like 0.7 and 1.3. They are, they're actually grounded in, in data. And if you look at, um, historically back through 2017, which is what we have for our, uh, you know, data that, that powers this model. Uh, 60% of the time, the home team's going to win. And so there is an advantage for winning as a road team that, again, is grounded in, in, that, in that data. There was a lot of things that were proposed and, and that we've looked into for DSR, different components that, you know, you know, there was a suggestion by Kansas State's coach to drop the last you know, your worst four or five RPI games as a way to adjust, uh, which is a good proposal. Uh, but when you think of it, like, what is that going to do? That is going to take away, you know, the SEC is playing, you know, some poor midweeks, let's say. You're going to get rid of all of those. What is that going to do? It's just going to bolster your strength of schedule even higher than it already was. And I think the separation of these is going to be even higher. Um, you know, there's arguments about, should you get bonus for winning, you know, your conference series on the weekend just by winning a series? But then that artificially inflates teams that are already winning all of their conference games, like Oral Roberts, who's going to go 23 and one in the summit. Like, 
Should they be bolstered even further just because they're beating their conference opponents who really aren't the opponents that are going to contextualize like how good they are of a team to get them to 29? Um, long story short, everything that we put in this model has to be applicable to the entire field. If we put something that's skewed towards favoring the SEC or towards favoring a mid-major or, or any other conference, that, that's just not right. We need to have a model, which I think is what we've done with DSR, is we need a model that applies principles equally across all 305 or six teams. How many it is this year? Love it. And I would say, just to be clear, like the, your model does give the road team an advantage, air quotes, because mm-hmm. win expectancy says it's harder to win on the road than it is at home. And so it's it's um I would say this, boys, let's wrap this up because we, we, this has been a really good conversation. I think it's the first of many conversations. If you're listening again, your homework is to read the piece on December 6th on our site. And then click on the bottom the, uh, on the blog that will get way into the math on the 643 site. That's your homework. You know, again, I think one of the fun things is there's a lot of part of the advantage of DSR is the visuals, the 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 tools that they can provide for the committee. Because I thought what what you guys just brought up about weekend series are really important to me. But there are some things we just need the committee to be adults, right? Like we just need them to not cave in to a number. And those are some of those things. I, I, I'm not trying to be condescending to the committee. I, I, I didn't mean it that way. But long story short, on our website, we'll be able to have those types of visuals, the charting, um, you know, DSR versus RPI. I mean, I think that's the, 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 the brilliance of us being able to collaborate on this with 643 is we can present these visuals on uh, on the site. So um, this was great, boys. I think this is the first of many conversations. Obviously, next year, the NCAA Selection Committee is using RPI, but it gives us a season to have these parallel conversations, which is exactly um, what we want. So, Rick, this is – oh, go ahead, Fitzy. And a final thought here because, you know, how many years have we been saying, God, somebody needs to come up with a better system. Somebody needs to come up with a better system. Uh, why won't the NCAA, the committee, why won't they come up with a better system? You know what? Hats off. Hats off to our friends at 643. Yes. You guys came up with a better system. You actually went in and did the work, and and and, and by God, I'm excited about it. You know, and, and Yeah, and, and, and I do want to give out. credit where credit is due. Um, I, obviously, I'm working on this a lot, but Forrest from our team, Luke, Natalie, Derek, the – I mean, Beth, everyone at 643 who's contributed to, to DSR. I mean, this has been an effort um, across a, a bunch of different viewpoints, whether it's, you know, data science or or, or baseball or softball or, or whatever. Like we have had all of the viewpoints in with you guys. Um, getting this feedback has been crucial, right? Because it's got to be palatable in order for this to get adopted. Only thing, Rick, only caveat I'd say is our, our good friend Chris Burke or Chris from Louisville, as we like to call him, I thought his feedback has been totally oh, yeah. useless. But, Absolutely. You know, but you guys did a nice job ignoring Burke. Just kidding. Just kidding. He has very um, poor opinions. Ah, yes. Rick, this is this is great. We really appreciate your time, everything, you, all the time you spent on this. This is awesome. Again, first of many conversations. Listeners, you have your homework. And um, that is it. Happy holidays, everyone. And we will catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast. The D1 Baseball Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.